Hello, everybody. Welcome to Random Trek Review, the podcast where we analyze, discuss, and randomly review selected Star Trek episodes. My name's Andrew. I'll be your host this week on RTR. I'm joined by the first monarch of the Sovereign Dynasty of Krios Prime, Matt. Matt, how are you doing today? It is not proper to address the first monarch. This is true. As you should know. I should know that. That's right. I did write up the uh, call sheet for this episode, so I should remember that for sure. <laughs> we are looking at Precious Cargo from Star Trek Enterprise. We're in Season 2 right now. Uh, we're back aboard the Annex 01, and I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty excited to be back in Enterprise because, as you know, I'm cruising along and I'm watching it. So um, I'm deep, deep, deep into Enterprise right now. Um We'll see if this episode lives up to uh, you know some of the classics of Enterprise or not. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's talk about my uh, recall of this one and uh, how I did. Well, you did very good with the first, I'd say, two thirds of the episode because you had just been watching <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. You know, you got a lot of uh, sort of detail from that part of it because you just watched it. Uh, you knew that the aliens were carrying a stasis pod. You knew their maximum warp speed was two warp two. Uh, you knew that Trip uh, tried to repair their ship and then accidentally opened the pod, and that the passenger in stasis was the like uh, was royalty. That one of the aliens got stuck on the Enterprise when the other guy tried to escape. Um, but you didn't really quite get the ending. I know. So, um, <laughs> didn't guess the ending correctly. You didn't. Yeah, you didn't guess the ending. There's nothing about the escape pod or landing on the planet. Um, but the first two-thirds were really, really good, so um, I'll give you a score of, uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting a little uh, like existential with the uh, objects or ratings for this one, but I will give you four rom-com cliches out of five uh, for your recall. Um, you got pretty much everything except the end. Okay, well... Um... Like we just said, we are in Enterprise Season 2, Episode 11. This originally aired back in 2002 on December the 11th. It guest stars Padma Lakashimi, that is Kedema, or the, the First Monarch. Scott Case is Firk Goff, and Leland Crook is Firk Pym. This one is written by Brandon Brog and Rick Berman, although if you read the backstory, that seems like a lot of people had their fingers in this one. A lot of people worked on it at several stages, but they get the credit. Um, and it was directed by David Livingston. If you didn't watch this one, then you might want to pause it and go give it a, a watch before you listen to the rest of the podcast. But if you'd rather just listen to my recap, then by all means, continue to listen. Tucker is enjoying some R&R's quarters. He's playing his harmonica. He's sitting back, relaxing, when the Enterprise drops out of war. Archer messages him and asks him if he wants to help some repairs. He probably should have said no. Um, an alien species is having some trouble with their stasis pod and asks Trip to do some work on it. When it accidentally turns off, he's forced to open the chamber and realizes that maybe one of the most annoying Star Trek characters of all time, Kedema, is inside of it. She's the first monarch of the sovereign dynasty of Krios, and she's being forced to be in the staff, forced to flee from their captors in an escape pod uh, that is relatively close to where they happen to be. Um, they eventually land on a swamp planet and the two spend uh, days, I'm assuming, maybe weeks at each other's throat, What, which I think is supposed to be a hilarious hijinks. Um, the B-plot on the Enterprise offers little else, seeing Archer and T'Pol trying to squeeze some information out of the other reptilian uh, from Krios. Eventually the Enterprise crew does meet up with Trip and the Monarch and uh, we bestly put a bow on this episode. Um, in what can only be called a groan-inducing finale, uh, she claims that she's going to change the rules so that Trip can come and visit her. Um, cue the eye rolling uh, now. There's a lot of stifled uh, laughter on this side of the table, and uh, you will find out why uh, shortly. All right, well, let's get our overall impressions of this episode out of the way. I feel like this week we may be best to kind of keep our impressions 
holstered slightly. So give me not a minute's impression, but just give me like about 20, 30 seconds of this episode. Um, and if you do remember, talk about your first watch or your memories. But again, let's try to keep it brief this week because I feel like when we get to the meat of it, there's going to be lots to talk about. Okay, um, I will keep it very brief. Uh, it was very uh, terrible. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was really cliche. I thought it was very predictable. Uh, not really great writing. Just not. There was very. I had to really dig deep to find some good things in this episode. Um, I mean, when I first realized which one it was, I was thinking, "Oh, this must be the bad remake of that a decent TNG episode," and it turned out to be even worse. Okay. Um, as far as the first time I saw it, um, I I don't know. Maybe during the original run, it might have been after. But um, this is a very forgettable, bad episode. So I, I that's probably why I don't really remember. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to repeat what you just said because I kind of feel the same way. Um, I have to admit that like I'm really into Enterprise right now. I know that it didn't get great reviews at the time, and I know that some people don't look back on it very fondly, but I'm really enjoying myself with Enterprise right now. Um, this episode is not one of the ones that I think that I would you know put on a list of much watches, but this episode now will forever be locked in infamy because it's a <laughs> RTR first. I was watching this episode and I had maybe 30 minutes before uh, Matt came over to my house to uh, record and you know maybe about the 30 minute mark of the episode he showed up. I paused it. We come in and you know just the luck, the magic of it. That's the episode he pulled. So it's an RTR first um, the first time that somebody has pulled an episode when the person who's responding was halfway through watching it. Which, I mean, the odds of that, I feel, are... One in 700? <laughs> yeah, one in 800, maybe. It's craziness. Um, so, I mean, that is kind of a, a memorable first watch experience. So after I pulled it and took my guess of how it ended, um, I went and I watched the end of it. The sad part of it was, was that I still kind of had hope for the episode when, when I had paused it. Uh, little did I know. Little did I know. You thought there would just be some wild, crazy ending that would redeem the entire Beginning crappy bits, yeah. first two-thirds of it? Yeah, I was still hopeful, <laughs> but yeah. We'll get to it eventually. The Eternal um, Optimist. Indeed. <laughs> so just talking about a little bit of background development and stuff like that most of what you read about this episode just kind of has to do with the fact that they never really could get it to work and it went through a lot of rewrites and stuff um this was a first time write job for somebody named david goodman who even by his own admission that he didn't know what he was doing he didn't know how to write for star trek he didn't get how you know there are certain cadences and certain things that need to happen and characters need to act a certain way and so lots of people went and tried to kind of fix it up and i feel like they must have been up against some sort of deadline because it just really reeked of a rush job and almost would have been better maybe just to kind of put this one on a back burner and mm -hmm. skip it but they must have had a deadline so they kind of pushed it through um, and i think it shows now, the only other piece of background information, which I know that you wanted to talk to, is it has a very kind of neat link to the Next Generation episode, The Perfect Mate. Uh, for anybody that doesn't remember, that's the episode where the Enterprise essentially is acting as like a... Courier? Yeah, kind of a courier. They kind of meet between two planets to like per perform a wedding ceremony, right? That's kind of the gist of it. I know that you watched it, so why don't you give us a little bit more than that? I wanted to go back and watch The First Mate, or The Perfect Mate, First Mate... Not quite. <laughs> That's a Gilligan's Island episode. <laughs> the perfect mate. Um, because I, I knew that there were connections, and I was just curious. Like I had a, a bit of extra time on my hands the other day, and I was like, I wonder how close they got, and if they like if the episode was so bad that they actually screwed that up completely too. Um, but the they actually didn't really mess anything up. Um, okay. The makeup, um, because there's a there's a couple of Creotians in The Perfect Mate, and I mean, the makeup was almost spot on. It was almost identical, so that was good. Now, in this episode, now, they should be at, the Creotians should theoretically, potentially be at war with the Valtese, which is like an offshoot of the Creotians. Mm -hmm. They do show up in Enterprise too, right? 
feel like there's an episode that has them, but I'm not 100% sure. There's a lot of names, a lot of aliens yeah, that show up. Yeah, it's true. Now, there's no mention of the war, but at the end of this episode of Enterprise, they meet up with a Creosian battle cruiser, right? Uh, now, that to me suggests that they may be at war because okay. it's a battle cruiser. Yeah. So, this is one thing that they actually got right. Um, which I thought was um, pretty cool because, as we've talked about many times um, off the air, uh, prequels can be wrought with peril for this kind of reason because you can't screw these things up, and sometimes they do, and but in this case, uh, they didn't. Yeah, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting about Enterprise, not to get off on a whole Enterprise side tangent, but just the idea that because it was so close to when Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and Next Generation ended, I think a lot of people were kind of not looking for this kind of thing. But now that it's been 20 years later almost, um, when you watch it now, I kind of appreciate these things a little bit. Like, I kind of like that the, there are lots of episodes that call back to or, you know, allude to things that are eventually going to come. Like, I kind of find it to be um, interesting and, and it kind of makes it feel very Star Trek. Even though I realize that certain things don't really line up, I kind of like it now, but I could see how at the time people were kind of feeling like it was more of a rehash. Yeah, Enterprise is a show that I think has aged fairly well because um, when I went back and watched it about three years ago, I had not watched it since the original run. Mm -hmm. And um, I liked it a lot more the second time around than I did during the original run. Like I actually quite enjoyed... Um, almost all the episodes like there weren't anywhere like, there were very few where i was like oh my god this was terrible yeah and i kind of feel like you know now that discovery is into its second season and a lot of people are you know really upset with the canon and the uniforms and a lot of the things that don't really match up i think that star trek enterprise did a very good job of this kind of thing like the outfits and the colors and the pips all the things were very much like you could see it transitioning towards uh, the original series and especially as a hundred years a lot of things could change right even just some of the tech and stuff like that they'd still have a lot of physical buttons and stuff even though the computers and stuff were updated i think they did a good job of that kind of stuff and i now that i'm watching it i really appreciate it more like i said it's it's aged really well i think um it's definitely one that you can go back now and i think appreciate maybe a, i mean the, the franchise was suffering a bit from fatigue at that point because yeah we've talked about that in the past on. as well yeah yeah it was i think it's much uh, more enjoyable at this point than maybe it was right when it was in the original run yeah even if they had taken a few years off between the movies and voyager and then starting up enterprise because it almost just started right away it did start right away. Right, and I feel like that was maybe a mistake. They should have probably taken a few years to kind of really get a nice arc figured out, you know, and not kind of rush it. Not that I say the thing that it feels rushed, but I just think that if they had given it a bit of time to let people get excited for it, it just wouldn't have had, had this kind of downside. Yeah, it's definitely possible. All right, let us... I feel like this episode has been marinating on the counter long enough. I think it's time that we throw this baby into the oven and uh, and give it a little bit of a cook into, job. Into the, into the fire. Into the fireplace, indeed. <laughs> so we are uh, going to start our teaser off. And we see Tucker sitting there uh, playing his harmonica. And that's going to actually lead to uh, trivia question uh, number one. We're going to do a little game this week for Matt. And we're going <laughs> to try something called RTR Match Game. So I'm going to tell Matt a character in Star Trek, and he will tell me the musical instrument that they play. Oh, this is... I'm glad that I guessed the question you were going to ask. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? You don't know how deep I've dug. Okay. Okay? And we'll see how... You can play along at home. Matt will give you one second before he um, he answers it. Okay. All right. Uh, number one, Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc Picard played the Ressican flute. That is correct. Riker. Riker played the trombone. That is correct. Data. He played the violin. I feel like he could probably play like almost all the instruments. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, he does. He plays the violin. Um, all right. Ensign Kim. He played the clarinet. All right. That is the easy ones. Done and dusted. All right. The medium level difficulty. Medium level difficulty. 
Uh, Benjamin Sisko. Benjamin Sisko. Hmm. If you need a hint, then the actor also plays this instrument. Oh, the piano. Correct. Scotty. Bagpipes? Correct. Tuvok. Did he play the Vulcan lute? Correct. Ooh. All right. And Jordy LaForge. Jordy LaForge. What did he play? It's a tricky one. Uh, yes, it is. You going to pass on that one? I think I'm going to pass. Okay, it. we'll pass. We're going to go to the hard level difficulty. All right. Um, Chief O'Brien. The cello. Correct. Spock. The Vulcan harp. Correct. Now, this is a very difficult one. Uhura. Uhura sings. That is true, and I did have that, although there are actually a couple of different characters that sing at multiple different times. She actually plays an instrument in one of the episodes. Wow. Um... If you need a hint, I can give it to you. Okay, I will need a hint. All right, she actually couldn't play it, but somebody gave her the power to play it. I... I don't think I'm going to get that gonna one. Not going to get that one? Uhura plays the harpsichord. The harpsichord. Yes, Ooh. she was given the ability. And the last one, which is another very difficult one, Nella Darren. Uh, she played the piano. Correct. The one that you didn't get, that is really good. That's really impressive. Um, Jordi LaForge plays the lute as well. Remember that oh, episode cute. where they go back oh, yes. to... Worf like, grabs it and smashes <laughs> it on the tree. All right, oh, well done. Okay. Um, and Tucker plays the harmonica as well. That's right. And actually, you know what? That gets brought up multiple times. It's not just this one episode, which is kind of cool. All right. Actually, you know what is interesting? Does anybody on Discovery play an instrument? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> They're not interesting enough characters to play an instrument. I, that, that's my... That is kind of a, a classic Star Trek thing, though, playing an instrument. I kind of like that. And I think that it's kind of too bad that they haven't done that on Discovery yet. But maybe they will. Maybe. All right. Um, so I have on here as well, just with the teaser again, is that the camera angles and the camera work here is is really good. I like the angle over the shoulder, looking out the window at the transport coming in. Um, I thought that all that kind of stuff was good. And again, not to get on a Discovery hate-a-thon, but I feel like, you know, now that I'm going back and, and watching Enterprise, I really kind of appreciate the standard classic Star Trek camera angles. Yeah, I um I didn't really notice it here, but when you put this in the put put made note of it, um, there's another one where he's like it's kind of like almost like from the ground looking up, mm -hmm. and he's like like from the side of his desk and he's got his feet up. Yeah, I thought that one was kind of neat. Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting without having to move the camera around, right? Not putting it on these like swivels and cars and stuff like that. I find that can be kind of nauseating. So yeah. I really appreciated that. Uh, on Enterprise. Yeah. Um, now, because it is Enterprise, and because I love the theme song and the credits to Enterprise, season one and two, uh, we're just going to take a slight side note just to like do some praise on uh, Faith of the Heart, <laughs> as well as, uh, as the images that are shown over the credits. Well, wake me up when you're done. <laughs> I skipped it. I mean, I feel like we maybe talked about this before. I don't really get why people hate it so much. Don't you find it inspiring when they show you the planet and then all the people throughout all the years and then going like the International Space Station getting built up and then getting the first warp flight and then like, you know, getting to eventually like uh, the NX-01 and it rocketing away? Um, maybe a little. But I, I guess maybe people wanted this just to be another next generation or like another uh, instrumental, I guess. I, it's possible. I mean, I do like that they sort of went to a more, uh, like, a, a song with a vocal track and right. that, but... They just didn't pick well in your well, mind? Well, I, I, it's okay. Yeah, I feel like maybe it just doesn't really fit necessarily with the... I mean, it fits in the sense that they're, like, you know, out exploring and everything like that, but it just doesn't fit in terms of, like, what the fans would have wanted. Yeah, I don't know. I... I it's, it's okay, but I mean, I've seen it a bazillion times, so I just... Skip <laughs> just it. skip it. Yeah. I never skip it. I never will. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the episode, The Retellions. Um, so have we seen these guys before? or Were they in the, in the Perfect Mate? Or are these villains that are just kind of like flavor of the week? 
they definitely were not in the perfect mate. And um, as far as like, have we seen them before? Not these guys specifically, but I feel like they're very much just like a villain Bear. of the week. That El was, Generico. Yeah, yep. That's that would be my assessment. Yep. Right now, Tucker asks for Hoshi's help uh, because the uh, the figures and the letters and things that are on the stasis chamber um, are in a different language and Hoshi shows up for maybe two seconds and says maybe one or two lines and then off she goes um was this a wasted character in your mind because I think that they originally thought that the universal translator wouldn't really work that well and then they realized how difficult that would be to make a show where you can't communicate with anybody or have to communicate through one of these characters. And so they just basically made the universal communicator good. And I don't know what Hoshi really does in the later halves of Enterprise, but is this a wasted character? Um, I would say that maybe she is a little bit, but I think she's not the only character on Enterprise that's wasted. Um, Mayweather comes to mind. Well, I, I actually thought quite a bit about this, and I feel like Enterprise sort of went back to the original series mentality where it's like the three main guys and everyone else, right? So, Archer, T'Pol, and Trip. Yeah, because like when, it, when you sit down and think about it, like majority of the episodes are centered around those three characters. That's a good point. The other, the other four, sort of, they get their own... You know, they get their own chance in the spotlight once in a while, but it's they're very much just there to, you know, Mayweather flies the ship, Hoshi, like, oh, we can't communicate. Can you fix this? Right. And, and Reed, Reed gets a lot of screen time, but if you really think about it, like, he's just the gunslinger, basically. True. And, and I feel like, yeah, and Phlox, even though if you're going to use that theory, Phlox is just somebody like John Billings, like, he just chews scenery. He's so watchable and he's so good that I almost kind of feel like he would be kind of like 3.5, if that makes sense. Like, he's not doing a lot of, like, on-planet stuff, but if there is a Phlox episode, like, it's usually a pretty solid one. Um, uh, yeah, he's maybe, like, the Scotty equivalent. Yes. Good so, point. Yeah. so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if you look at each of the characters as far as, like, development over the course of the series, and I know you've only seen uh, yeah. about half of it so yeah, far, exactly. but... Hoshi, Mayweather, and Reed are very much the same at the end, at the end as they were at the beginning. Sure, Whereas, does, doesn't Reed like go to section thirty one or something as well? Uh, not that I can remember. Okay. Um, I, know, I, I, I know Trip does in the books, the novels, okay. but um, yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it as far as development, like T'Pol changes a lot, Trip changes quite a bit, and I mean, obviously Archer is like the focal point. Right. Of this that's actually show, a very interesting so, point. That's a, that's um, a very good point. Um, so yeah, I would say that yeah, she is kind of a wasted character, but there are more. There, she's not alone. And right, they're gonna get like one episode a season that's based around them. Maybe gonna, two. Maybe two. But yeah, yeah they're mostly gonna be background guys. Okay, yeah. interesting point. Yeah. Um, now, one of the other things I like about Enterprise, I mean, we will get to this episode eventually, but they make a point of mentioning that this. Uh, cruiser does only uh, warp 2.2 and yes. I feel like that's better for story writing than every ship being able to do 9.99 um, and even the Enterprise only being able to do uh, warp 5 and I think when they really push it they get up to like warp 5.1, 5.2 um, there's lots of times they come into contact with ships that are just faster than they are and like running away is not an option which I thought was really a good story device and it comes up quite a bit which I think that Maybe they've kind of written themselves into a little bit of a of a troublesome part when they all the ships go really really fast. Yeah, I when I when I thought about um, sort of the speed at which ships travel, I thought that it doesn't really matter as long as the disparity isn't huge. But when you think about it, as far as like okay, the the more advanced ships are going to be faster than them, so they're not always going to be able to just run away. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that kind of gives you an opportunity to write some interesting. Uh, stories even in this episode they mentioned that we can't go any faster because the people aren't going to be there to receive the cargo for another two months so we have to go this slow otherwise it makes no sense yeah it was yeah that was an interesting way to sort of look at the, the slow speed of a ship and actually integrate it into the, the story mm -hmm. and even though it turns out that it was probably Not complete true. complete nonsense because they were actually like trying to do something else right yeah it was nefarious <laughs> but yeah regardless i i guess i i just noted it in this episode because i felt like you know what it is kind of more interesting to have 
more variation because like when they started bringing like when voyager could do like 9.98 like it was just they were at the end of it and that means they can't go any further it's like oh no the kazon are coming oh we'll just fly faster than them and run right away, right and that's whereas, just as far as whereas in enterprise it's like oh no the klingons are coming and their ships are way faster than us yeah you can't run away right we so, have to think of something fresh yeah yeah it's from when you think when i when you talk about it from in that vein it actually is kind of a opens the door to some interesting uh possibilities and that's about when this episode goes off the rails <laughs> in terms of what i kind of felt um yeah. i i don't know i mean i guess we'll, we'll try to kind of rein it in here but i mean there's a lot bad here um the first thing that i kind of note is like so trip gets knocked out yeah he, he opens up the stasis chamber he notices that the girl's hands have been like tied and that she's she's actually this is an interesting you know use of the universal communicator where he can't understand her she can't understand him because that's not translating fast enough mm-hmm. um, and then trip gets knocked out um so i guess like are concussions just not a thing in the future like all the protocols and stuff like that like that's that doesn't exist at this point or you know like you just fine after that you get hit huge wrench in the back of the head and you're fine Maybe um, in the future humans evolve like protection against concussions. I don't. I don't know. Maybe Trip was unconscious <laughs> and he dreamed the entire rest of this episode. That's oh, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, there you go. Like a little this Bob whole, Newhart. This whole thing was just a bad dream, not a bad episode. Yeah, it felt like a bad dream <laughs> at points. One one thing I will say, um, there must have been like a bulk sale on like crowbars at the near the Paramount lot before <laughs> this episode because um, it seemed like there was a lot of them just like laying. Yeah, and there's the a ship. lot of guys getting smashed in the back of the head. I actually read that um, years afterwards they auctioned off a bunch of the props and stuff from a ton of Star Trek episodes, and among the items from this episode were several crowbars. Okay. Can you imagine, like, uh, hey, Matt, pass me that crowbar. Did you know that this actually knocked out Connor Trenner back in Enterprise? (laughs) Remember that episode, Precious Cargo? Yeah, 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 sure it did. If you look really carefully, you can, like, see a small imprint of his (laughs) skull. Yeah. It cost $1,000 as I, like, crack open a door. All right, so um, when the freighter breaks loose, a gunfight ensues. Did Enterprise rely too much on action? This seems so pointless. I mean, this is not necessarily even where the episode goes awry, but this seemed very pointless to have a pointless gun battle. And one knock on Enterprise, I would say anyway, is that they tend to do this quite a bit. They tend to to make sure that there is action at some point. I'm not saying it's always good or always bad, but like this was pretty generic in my opinion. Well, I think there was maybe more action on Enterprise than on most Star Trek shows. I mean, it seems like 50 to 60% of the time there would be at least one, like, phaser battle breakout. Right. I thought here it actually kind of made sense. Um, When you think about them needing a way to get one alien on the Enterprise and one alien escape so that they could do the dumb... B plot on Enterprise. Yeah. So they had to come up with some like half baked way to get to have the ship fly off with only one of them on it. And I guess this is what they came up with. Yeah, and I guess when you say that it's not too bad. I mean the other thing that they came up with that was a little bit maybe of an overuse when we're talking about overuses is they do the plasma dump. <laughs> where the ship is too slow, they need to have an idea for how they're going to escape the much faster Enterprise, so they dump the ions, and it clogs up the injectors. Um, Did they overuse this, um, and how did you not see this coming? Well, I don't know. I mean, as far as, like, overuse, I think I'd have to go back and watch them again, because I don't really... I'm not saying Enterprise, I'm just saying Star Trek and sci-fi shows in general. Mm, Okay, um... One thing I will say is, like, it was the singular, like, clever thing that these aliens did in the entire that episode. Yeah, um, that is true. Like, okay, we'll, like, release this gas that'll clog up their, their whatever, engines, and then we'll fly away. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. It seems a little bit like the king of the hill, like, pocket full of sand, you know? <laughs> Throw it in the eyes and run away. Yeah, 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 it's true. It's true. I mean, I can't argue. It's It's... They do, I guess they do use it a fair bit. 
Or even like I feel like they've done in Next Generation. Remember they would like dump the plasma and then ignite it. Like they we just saw that in Descent actually, where yeah. they ignited the plasma and that's what destroyed oh, yeah. the ship. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what's on the back of my mind. But yeah, yeah, I feel like you see it quite a bit. Hey, this is Matt, and you are listening to Random Trek Review. To get the latest podcasts and to read the RTR blog, visit our website at randomtrekreview.blogspot.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for Random Trek Review. You can find us on social media, uh, Twitter at Rando Trek Review, and on Instagram at Random Trek Review. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions and prefer old school email, feel free to drop us a line at randomtrekreview at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Um, and I guess maybe my next question is the only one that really matters is like, does this episode go sideways once they release the princess? <laughs> um, I guess if you want to like try to pinpoint one moment where it like went over the cliff, uh, maybe that's it. Right. Like if you need to even do that, this would be the <laughs> spot where it happens. I would say that would be a fair point. Yes. And I mean, the it was kind of annoying when the princess was speaking in her own language and you couldn't understand because the universal translator wasn't working. But yeah. then when it does start translating, I feel like it was even worse. <laughs> I feel like this is just terrible acting. Uh, it was Times pretty bad. Times 10. It, it was pretty bad. The, the character to begin with is pretty unlikable like like she's this stuck up you will not address me you know princess type like very stereotypical princess type you know just don't talk to me you're a commoner blah 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 but the like the acting made it even worse because like you say this was not an academy award-winning uh acting job by a long shot um, would it surprise you to find out that the actress was a model? No. And she also wrote cookbooks. Maybe that would surprise me a little bit. Yeah, for me anyway, this, when she start, when they start doing the, what, what, what is this cliche from? Is this, is this like, I love Lucy, this is kind of constantly back and forth bickering, like whenever that started, or, I mean, uh, the reason why I chose that this episode was going to be out of the five rom-com cliches it's because this episode feels like it's derived from those it's almost like they had like top 10 buzzfeed list cliche <laughs> rom-com moments and they were like we got to get all these in and this is where it starts this constant bickering and i mean i guess like was this supposed to be funny um or frustrating or annoying like, what was this supposed to be well i thought i read that at one point when they were like trying to rework this script and trying to make it good that they were like let's just turn this into a like laugh fest like let's just turn this into a full-blown like comedy episode um and maybe this is like an artifact of that idea like maybe they sort of rewrote it as like this romping weird stupid comedy show and then when they rewrote it again they're like oh this is kind of funny let's just leave it in yeah i, I don't know maybe that's it just it doesn't work from. i guess maybe and they tried it so I mean, it was it was not um I, I don't know i wasn't like laughing because it was funny i was like oh my god this is really bad laughing through your tears kind of thing <laughs> like i gotta sit through this um i guess that's, did you feel as trapped as trip when they're in the especially when they get into the you know the the skate pod and stuff and it's like really oh tight my. quarters and stuff like i felt like trip i was like man this is brutal it felt awkward to watch i can certainly empathize with trip not being too happy with being stuck in a like tiny little escape pod with this insufferable uh princess yeah and i mean it's <laughs> it's sad because trip is one of my favorite characters on enterprise i think probably a lot of people's and i feel like I mean, you get that script. There's only so much you can do. And I actually, I mean, I have terrible acting here, but mostly on her part. I actually don't think that, um, I think he did as best as he could do. And I think it still fits with the, the character, right? Because the character is kind of the Southern gentleman, but he kind of is very irritable. And he, he kind of does have a bit of a, a short temper in certain episodes and stuff. So that still fits. And I'm not super upset about that part. It's just... 
nauseatingly bad. Well, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that this isn't like a trip being out of character. Because like you say, he is the southern gentleman and he is going to like, you know, his, his initial reaction is going to be to try to be a nice, proper gentleman, right? Mm. But he, he has a point where that goes out the window and he's just going to be like, you know what? Screw you. I, I've had enough, you know, and he's not going to be nice about it. Um, and, and he certainly tried at the beginning to be nice and to be, you know, friendly. And that, but then there's a point where he's just like, nope, I'm not going to be nice anymore. Too, too bad. You've, you've pushed me too far. And I don't think it's out of character for him. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought that part worked. I mean, th- remember how much better this was when it was Princess Leia, the royalty, and Han Solo, the <laughs> swashbuckler? Um <laughs> Yeah, that was much. Uh... And I think that's what this was trying to be, right? They're they're you know they're forced together. They have to kind of try to work together. You know, I mean, Princess Leia was more useful. This girl also has the cliche of being like the royal dainty who has no useful skills and is basically just eye candy. Um, has, yeah. you know, and is just kind of being dragged along. But yeah, this is at the point anyway where they're like even just in the shuttle. It, it, it just went on and on as well. It was much too long. And it was just like groan-inducing arguing. Especially when he tries to get the landing gear and he's reaching behind her uh, ass and trying to unhook it. Like, it was just... And she's going, don't touch me. Nobody can touch the first monarch. Oh, it was awful. Awful. Yeah, it, it, this is definitely not even in the same like universe as Leia calling Han a scruffy-looking nerf her. Right, exactly. Like, not um, even close. And I mean, the, what's even worse is I feel like the B plot on Enterprise is, is completely pointless. Is it even really worth mentioning? It was pretty bad. Um, I thought the scene where they like Archer's like being the good cop in the dark oh, room, God, that and, was bad. and then T'Pol comes in and she's like this cold blooded like judge, jury, and executioner. Like it was so bad. It was like, like, like why would Archer even like that's so not Archer. I mean, yeah. he has a bit of a, he is a bit cavalier when it comes to those things, but like, why would he come up with this dumb idea like, oh, I'm going to like go in there and try and like soften him up and then send to Paul and to like just scare him right into telling me what I need. Like it's, yeah. it makes no sense. Yeah. And the guy, the alien, the reptilian guy, he is so, so weak and so dumb. Like he doesn't see through it. Like it was so obvious. But, but I don't know the warp signature. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> It was bad. And yeah, every time they would flash back to Enterprise, you just got this sense of like, what are we doing here? Like the characters don't seem to be lining up with what they normally would do. And like the ship is so fast, they should be able to kind of buzz around and just find them or like come up with some other methodology. Like it was just, yeah, the B plot was awful as well. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And then, I mean, I mean, if it wasn't bad enough with all the classic cliches of rom-coms, they finally make it to a swamp planet which happens to be close enough to the where the ship was, although I don't. I think they were at warp even maybe. That didn't make any much sense. So they leave. They get to this swamp planet. It happens to be just like Florida where the trip grew up, um, and they start into you know the bickering and the fighting again, which is just even more nauseating now that they're on the planet because we've been dealing with it for twenty minutes. And then they have like a roll down the embarkment into the river <laughs> cat fight, we'll call it. And then they kiss because, of course, they are actually in love with one another and they're obsessed with one another after being so close. Um, I audibly laughed at this. Like at this point, I was just laughing because I just thought this is just so ridiculous. Uh, I saw it coming about 200 light years away. <laughs> Like, it's, like, didn't she take... She took the, like, first swing, right? Yeah. As soon as she did that, I was like, yep, they're going to, like, roll down the hill and they're going to end up making yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like... You must have read, like, Screenplay Writing 101. Like, Rom-Coms 101. <laughs> where, like, you hate each other, but then, like, that's what grows the appreciation and then you really fall for each other. Do they really have courses for writing those things? I think so. I'm pretty sure it's, like, a very specific, uh, you know paint-by-numbers kind of approach to writing them. And then, which is even weirder, is they do, I think it's a commercial break, or perhaps it's just kind of like a a jump cut. Um, And then they're in their underwear. 
and it's it's kind of like implied that they had sex in the in the swamp after the the makeout session. Tell me your thoughts on on that. Well, I can only assume that um, Starfleet issues contraceptives to all their officers. That you think that's in like the uh, the rations pack. Well, that's what I was. Yeah, that was. The or next do you think thing. that was, uh, I, there's a, is there an episode like in season four where you know Trip finds out he's got a royal baby? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Is that so? Like, even is that something that even makes remotely any sense? That like Starfleet would be like, yeah, here's your survival pack. It's got rations. It's got like water capsules to like to like take all the bad stuff out of the water, and it's got uh... some condoms in case <laughs> some... you run into an alien species that you like hate at first, but then fall in love with. Now, even if they did, he probably didn't have one of those with him. So the only other explanation is that maybe there were some in the alien escape pod. That's true. I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot of different things that could have occurred here, but um, it is a very interesting, and is it necessary? Like, um, I mean, I know that Enterprise loves to get the crew members into those blue tank top little short underwear. Yeah. Um, I, I, they love it. So, I mean, I'm not surprised in that way, but in terms of the story, is this really needed or does it add anything? Or is it just like, you know what, we've already done all the other cliches, so what the, what the hell? Dude, go for them all. Yeah, this was like like cliche number 10 that they had to get in there, so... It doesn't uh, it doesn't add anything, but I don't know if it really takes anything away either. Other than uh, raising some questions? Well, that we're yeah, I guess so. Now. I mean, I, but the, the, what makes it even worse is that Enterprise shows up, they happen to find them on this random planet... They beam down to a planet. Like, think about how, I guess they maybe find the signatures or whatever. But then the big kind of reveal is is that they're in the underwear. And Archer has, like, a line like, is it a bad time? <laughs> like, oh, did you get it? Um, like, they didn't put their clothes back on afterwards. Um, I, actually, sorry, that, that I'm kind of out of, out of point. Because the aliens actually find him first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I there's, guess like, there was... another pointless kind of punch-punch, concussion-concussion all around. We can talk about the realism of getting knocked in the head, like on a rock, and, no less. And, and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I actually liked the trip, like made that like scarecrow decoy thing with his uniform that the alien like shot yeah, at, and then the... jumped out of the tree. Yeah. Um, and and then he fought the guy like in his underpants. Like I, I thought that was actually like pretty good. Pretty I badass. thought it was pretty. Well, I thought it was funny. Um, I didn't think it was like good for like star trek but i mean it just it's like something you'd see like a monty python sketch or something <laughs> that's very telling you know what i thought though is it kind of reminded me of remember in dumb and dumber when they send in harry and he's got the flak jacket and the guy shoots him in the chest a bunch of times and then lloyd goes what if he had shot you in the face and he goes yeah wait what if they had shot me in the face like what if they had shot her first <laughs> Yeah, they put the bulletproof vest on him, and like, there's all these other possible, like, there's like ten other things that right. have happened, and like, yeah, that was just them actually shooting him in the chest. Was, like, like would you have liked this episode better if he had set up the decoy with like the watermelon head, and then the alien is like deciding, oh, who should I shoot, him or her, and he just shoots her first, <laughs> and she's just dead. It might have been more satisfying considering how annoying she was throughout the episode. Yeah, I mean, she does kind of get the final clobber with, uh, like, she eventually clobbers him when Trip's going to get drowned in the with water. With another crowbar. Another crowbar. <laughs> Is that swamp it was, that was uh, no have no life forms, but there's a crowbar laying around. So luckily, maybe it was, was in the escape pod. It's like in, ca in case of like detection by the guy that you're running from. Yeah, break, break glass. glass and remove crowbar. There's a tinier crowbar attached beside it so you can break the glass and get a bigger crowbar. <laughs> Both of which were sold at the uh, <laughs> at auction. Yeah, you could have bought it. <laughs> so they get back to Enterprise and they have the, like I already mentioned before, it has to be one of the worst like, I think they were trying to go with kind of like, you know how we always talk about how Captain Kirk gets like that last line where, you know, he, he says some great thing and everyone leans on his chair and they all nod towards the camera. I yeah. think maybe they were going for something like that. But by this point, it was like, I think I strained my capillary muscles, rolling my eyes. When she says, man, I'm the queen. Maybe I'll change those rules. It was cringe inducing. Well, like, so what? Is he like, they're like not allowed to visit the planet? Like, what's what's the deal? 
No, I think that she wasn't supposed to touch him, or she he, like, you're not supposed to interact with like aliens aren't supposed to interact with her like royalty. Oh, okay. Like yeah, I thought she meant like she was gonna change the rules so that he could visit her. Yeah, I think to be together. Oh well, that was, was gonna be a storyline that never kind of came up. That was that was pretty. That was like pure cheese. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and I guess like, is this just the worst? I mean, I still have some episodes to get through of Enterprise, so I'm hoping this is the case. But is is this as bad as it gets? Like, is this the worst Enterprise episode? Uh, very possible. Yeah, like it's kind of funny. Like up until last podcast, we've actually not really pulled out a really bad episode, and now we've kind of had like a really scatterbrained animated series episode, and now we've got this one. So I That's guess true. We're, like you know, pay, it's, it's, pay it's our like, dues. <laughs> It's like basketball. Sometimes you just go cold. Yeah. You know? You, you just keep throwing it up there and they just don't go down. All right. Before we put a final ball on this one, let's go through them, the cast, the characters, the production notes. We'll try to think of a memorable scene, although it might be hard to do. I don't want to spend a ton of time on the characters because I feel like we've already sliced and diced them. But what did you think of Ketama, which is the princess of the The episode? first monarch. Yes, the first monarch. Not a very good character. Um, very annoying. Very stuck up. I thought that they took the princess, like the you know, fan, the dainty princess thing, like way, way too far. It was, it was just so cliche. It was terrible. Um, I mean, I think part of it was the writing. I think part of it was the acting. We we kind of touched on both of those things. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. It was just too much for me. Yeah, you know what? It really shed some light on two things i think number one how hard it is to do annoying well and number two the importance of good acting because i feel like if you were to take this character an annoying character who's just kind of like you know stubborn and just is supposed to get under your skin um and they do for all the wrong reasons um and then you compare it to like uh kai win in Deep Space Nine, who is super annoying at certain points, like to the point where you know you almost want to reach through your screen and like shake her, but it's you mean, done. You, you in... mean like every time she like walks on the screen? Yeah, exactly. But you see how it's just like just different, right? Like one is a really high trained actor. I think maybe Kai Wen, the actress who played her, may have even have an Oscar for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Super annoying, but like you love that character as well because it's done so well and it makes sense for that character. This is just like the easy road, right? Like this is the the half-baked attempt. And yeah. yeah, it just makes you hate them for all the wrong reasons. It just makes you hate the episode. It makes you hate your life. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why did I choose this one? Why did I yeah, why did Matt pick this one out of the box? <laughs> so the other two guys. Talk to me about the reptilians. I, I didn't even bother put their names down because I felt like it was they were so generic, so cookie cutter, it was hardly worth it. Yeah, you wrote the other two other the other two guys, and I think this is exactly the correct way to refer to them because they're just so generic and you know run of the mill. Like I couldn't I don't even remember what their names were. Like by the end I was like, oh yeah, who yeah. are those two guys? Yeah, they're very generic, like bad guys. Um they didn't really strike me as being all that smart either. Um, like, cause as soon as they, there, there was like a hitch in their plan, they like, it seemed like they had no idea what they were doing. Like other than, oh, yeah. other than no. just like shooting the, whatever, the plasma stuff out the, the back of their ship. Like that was the only like, real well, that wasn't even those two guys. Like there must've been more of these guys. Maybe or do you think that that guy was driving the ship and doing everything himself? Well, I th I th I thought they were the only two on the ship. Like it must have been a fairly small, small ship. ship, yeah. But um, yeah, like like you know how there's that that meme on the internet of like the dog with like the shirt and the collar and the weird <laughs> thing, and it's got like and it's like and the captions always, I don't know what I'm, I'm doing. doing. Like, yeah. That's how I feel like these guys were. Pretty like. much, yeah. How did they get this contract in the first place? How did they capture her? Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. They. Who knows? Yeah. So I have basically just the same thing to say. These guys were super generic. Not much left. I mean, I could care less. There's a lot of kind of interesting characters that you run into in episodes of Star Trek where you think, maybe they should go back to that planet, see what they're up to, right? Um, these two guys, the reptilians, yeah, leave them be. We don't need to ever visit them again. They're, you know, <laughs> alien of the week. 
All right, let's look at some of the production notes. So T'Pol uh, wears her Vulcan robes for the first time since Broken Bow in this episode. So that's interesting, I guess, because that's like, you know, 20, 30 episodes difference, pretty much. Is this, this is like her, what color is that, you think? Like, kind of like red, crimson? Red, kind of, yeah. Like that, that that's the outfit that is the Vulcan robes? Yes. Like um, when she walks, remember when she walks in, Archer's like, you know, threatening that guy, and he's like, you "Yeah." What? And she walks in like wearing that. That's what. That's when she was wearing her Vulcan robes. Right, but why? Why did she change into those? I don't know. To, to look, be more intimidating, to, to I guess. Look, like menacing and like, like a bad, a, yeah, like a judge. Okay. Yeah. I crimson red, I guess. Okay. But I don't know. It was just another like dumb part of the episode. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well put. Uh, so Dr. Phlox doesn't appear in this episode as well. That's a shame. Uh, maybe, or maybe, like, John Billingsling got the script for this one and was like, you know what, just cut me out of this one. I really don't need the money this week. You can just, you know, just pay me for 23 episodes this season, not 24. Well, I, I wrote down that, I mean, he's usually good for, like, a laugh or, or line, that yeah. moment of sort of levity in a serious episode, but, I mean... Would it really have helped that much with this with this episode? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's just it is kind of interesting um, whenever it happens. You know, sometimes I feel like um, Cole Meany in uh, Deep Space Nine. Like, there's lots of episodes where Chief O'Brien just isn't in it. Like, I guess he had a lot of other acting work that he did, and John Bell's the same way. He's like such a character actor. He probably had other stuff going on. He just didn't come in that day. All right. Next up, the set of the alien ship. You wanted to kind of talk about this a little bit. Yeah, I actually thought that that was probably one of the very few uh, really good things about this episode. Um, I liked I liked it because it looked like it was kind of broken down and like patched up and like jury rigged and just sort of like the things being like held together by duct tape and you know. And I think that that kind of was nice. Um, yeah, it kind of matched up with these like aliens that didn't really know what they were doing. <laughs> True, and I feel like yeah, the stasis chamber looked pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. It was it was pretty good. Like the the scene when they first walk into it, I was like, oh, that actually looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I thought yeah, it that's was, nice. You know, it's nice cops. when yeah, it wasn't the caves again. You know, like Star Trek, they always go to those caves. Well, yeah, and it wasn't like the Deep Space Nine cargo bay like redone Rehashed, to look yeah. like an alien ship. Yeah, they do a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, next up, even the people who wrote slash worked on this episode admit that it's bad, which is the best part about watching an old show is that all the dirt comes out because, you know, it's, you know, they're not worried about getting another job. They're not worried about losing their jobs. After a certain amount of time or after somebody dies, you always get the good story, the good, the good dirt. And even the people that work on here, they just laugh at this at this point and just say it's so bad. But and Brennan Barrett actually says that he's happy that he wrote one of the worst Star Trek episodes ever. Like he has wears like a badge of armor, or a badge of armor. Yeah, it was like I mean, what else are they supposed to say? Like, oh no, the, the, the critics and fans, <laughs> like, they don't know what they're talking about. Right, this is right. like this must be above them. Like, no, it was it was terrible. And you do a spin-off series just on the first monarch. Oh dear. <laughs> if they keep handing out these Star Trek series like left and right, then we might get there. It's true, yeah. I, I actually read that Brennan Braga like tried to somehow convince them like not even to air it. Like, oh, it really? So bad. I thought I read somewhere <laughs> that he was like like went to Rick Berman and was like like Can we just not air this? Like it's just so bad. And I guess they were like because no. they spent money on it and everything. They're like, right. no, we got to put it on the sh- TV. Yeah, that would suck though. If you were like that actress who was on that show, you could be like in God. you could be left in infamy, right? You could be have a Star Trek credit, and if they didn't air it, then you would get cut, right? She probably gets like heckled by Trek fans like everywhere she Maybe. goes. It depends on how you do it, right? If she just owned it, then I feel like, you know, yeah, people yeah. probably would, would laugh about it. But yeah, if you took it seriously, I don't think it would work. <laughs> I mean, it kind of led to being one of the most hated Star Trek episodes ever. I, I can't. That's probably the right reaction. Yeah. I mean, I, I also read that at one point they did kind of like a uh, ranking system of all the episodes and it was in the top 10 worst episodes. <sighs> wow. Uh, with Star Skin Trek with uh, with uh, shades of gray. Yeah, like I feel like <laughs> Turnabout Intruder. Yeah, like there there's a lot of bad ones, but this one would definitely be up there. 
Or down there, depending on how you want to look down at there. it. <laughs> yeah, I think that it is number nine on the list, yeah. Reasonable uh, ranking, I would say. Yeah, I feel like they do those rankings all the time. All right, and you want to just talk a little bit about the controversial history of Creos Prime. This is going to like take my Trek nerddom to a pretty high level, I would say. Um, there's sort of this controversial history of um, Creos Prime slash Creos. Now, the reason I noticed this is because um, years ago there was a Star Trek customizable card game. I don't know if you ever got yeah, into that. Yeah, I, I played the Star Wars one, but I never had the Star Trek one. So there's a mission in that game called Creos Suppression, which is based on the Next Generation episode, The Mind's Eye, um, okay. which is when Jordy gets brainwashed by the Romulans and there's an yeah. like, assassination plot against a Klingon governor. And that Klingon governor was in charge of a planet called Creos. Okay. And there's been some like controversy debate on whether the Creos in that episode is the same as the Creos Prime referred to in this episode and the Perfect Mate. Okay. So um, as it stands right now, Star Trek.com, if you look it up on Star Trek.com, it will list them as separate planets. However, okay. in the fourth edition of the Star Trek Encyclopedia, it lists them as the same planet. Okay, I love how much so, effort you put into this. So, like, which which is more credible? Mm, StarTrek.com or the Encyclopedia? Yeah, it's it, like it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Like, because in the Mind's Eye, Creos was like a Klingon protect. It was like a protectorate of of the Klingon Empire. So. I mean, theoretically, it could be the same, and that just like the Creosians were like under Klingon rule at that time. Okay. But they don't really. But usually, don't they usually put Prime when it's like that's like the main planet? Um, like when there's like so hmm. like there's so many planets around a star, and then like Creos Prime, like Cardassia Prime, is like they have a bunch of bunch of planets, but the Cardassian Prime is like the main one where all the government and everything is. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I almost feel like it doesn't make a lot of sense that they would be the same, but... But um, at the same time, why... I mean, is it just hard to come up with names? Yeah, who knows? Maybe the... Maybe, like, by some miracle of the universe, two different writers came up with the exact same name name for two planets in two different episodes that are actually about, I want to say, half a season apart. Or maybe it was just... The writer of the second episode was like, that's a pretty cool name. I'm just, just going to like totally it. steal it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, we'll have to get like the crack research team behind Star Trek Discovery to like, uh, you know. They'll probably the do an episode solution. about it and try to like fix it somehow. Totally <laughs> watch it. Perhaps. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about memorable scenes, quotes, funny lines. Um, I'm going to let you go first here. Uh, what was your favorite moment in this episode? Um, it's tough to pick one that was actually good, but like I, like we just talked about with the alien ship, I thought that that first scene when they entered the alien ship was probably my favorite part. Um, I thought it was, like I said, the set I thought was good. I thought the lighting was kind of good because it was like kind of dark and it was, I mean, it's a cargo area, right? And it's on this sort of rusted out ship. So I thought it was kind of fitting. I thought it was, I thought it was good. Yeah, um, I guess, you know what, as dumb as it is, I'm going to take the kissing scene because I actually did (laughs) laugh out loud. Like you said, I think that you could see it light years away. It was really dumb, really terribly acted. Everything was awful about it, but it did make me laugh out loud. And that does say something because, you know, it's not always an easy thing to do to make somebody laugh out loud when they're watching a TV show by themselves. So I am going to take the trip princess kiss after rolling down the swampy environment okay okay and last but certainly not least um you know i guess try to come up with at least one good thing but give me your final thoughts and give me a rating out of cringe induced eye rolls another sort of uh, philosophical uh object <laughs> to be rating out of yeah um, well, this episode was pretty terrible. Um, I didn't think that it was very well written. I thought the story was very cliche, not very imaginative. Guest characters were really bland, really boring, really run-of-the-mill. We talked about Archer and T'Pol, like, not really 
acting and character all that well in this episode. The B-plot was really dumb. I don't know. I mean, the, the really other than the, the ship set, uh, the alien ship set, the cargo area that I liked, and um, the, you know, the fact that they were able to make that connection to the perfect mate without totally yeah. screwing it up, um, I thought other than those two little things, I thought the episode was absolutely horrible. Um, All right, you got to come up with a number, though, and that's yeah. the hard thing. I will just remind you that last week you gave the Infinite Vulcan one out of five Philosian rocket ships. So, yeah. so you want to use that as a point of reference. Yeah, uh, I think that's the same uh, number I'm going to go with on this one. One cringe-induced eye roll out of five. Uh, and I think that's probably being generous. I mean, this is like yeah. very, very close to uh, zero. zero territory. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you, uh, where are you going to go here? Yeah, I mean, I'm right with you. I, I really do love Enterprise and I'm really enjoying myself while I watch through it. Um, the A plot here was atrocious. They were trying to do a Han Solo, Princess Leia rehash. It didn't work. The B plot is just completely forgettable and awful. The acting is awful. The jokes are awful. The romance part of it is awful. The fight scenes aren't even good, really. There's like one kind of decent one, that one you mentioned with Trip in his underwear, which is okay, I guess. Um, the aliens are so dumb, completely forgettable, you know, just kind of like characters of the week. Um, there's not much good here. I'm kind of really bouncing between zero and one. And really, I, I'm probably going to go the same as you. I'm going to do one out of five cringe-induced eye rolls. I think there are still some episodes out there, as crazy as it sounds, there are some episodes out there that I can think of off the top of my head that are actually worse than this one. Because you know what? This one I laughed out loud. Uh, Trip didn't really didn't ruin his character or anything like that. The T'Pol and Archer stuff, like it was a little bit out of character, but like you know, maybe they were just stressed out. So it was really, it was, it didn't damage anything. So I'm going to give it one out of five. All right, everybody, we have hit the fifth segment. And that, of course, means that it's time to pull out a freshy episode for Matt. See how well he can remember one of the, what is there, eight, nine hundred episodes of Star Trek. Um, yep. And come up with some uh, plot points, some character arcs, some quotes, some trivia, whatever he can think of. Um, of course, as always, we are pulling it out of the crown. That's jewels and everything. So I'm the just going to reach in of, here. Yeah. The jewel crown of uh, RTR. That's right. Yep. Uh, all right. You feeling nervous? You feeling good? How are you feeling? I feel um, like I'm ready for something other than a terrible episode. Okay. He's looking for a classic this week, perhaps. Maybe. Okay. Let's see what <clears> we got. All right, switch in here. All right. We are heading back. We are heading back to Voyager. We are looking at season two. Okay. Episode nine. And the episode is called Tattoo. All right. So uh, as Matt just kind of collects his thoughts here, uh, I'm just going to remind everybody to, uh, you know, give this a try yourself. It's not as easy as you think. And, uh, you know, if you've got the guts, you could track us down on Twitter or Instagram or even just the website itself. And let's hear how you guys have been doing out in the uh, RTR fan base. Uh, you guys can compare yourself to how Matt and I are doing because um, yeah, I feel like we, we, we've been kind of all over the place. Sometimes we smash it. Sometimes we are just guessing. Other times we have a general idea. Uh, so, yeah, if you have you and your friends, you could try along at home and see how well you're doing. Yes. Are you ready? Um, yeah, I think I remember this one. At least I hope I do. All right, one minute on the clock and go. Uh, this is a Chakotay episode and it kind of explores um, the story behind his uh, tattoo that he has on his face. Um, they run into this planet where there's all these like electrical storms and he gets like stranded. Uh, he gets somehow separated from the away team and he gets stranded. And these, he discovers these aliens that actually like came to Earth like back when he was a young, a young man, and they these aliens were the ones that actually they they were like um, sky spirits or something in in and they ended up and they actually have the same uh, like facial markings on their their face and um, 
he sort of learned, yeah, there's all these flashbacks to when he's a little kid and his like grandfather's like teaching him about all the sort of traditional uh, Native American, uh, you know, customs and whatnot. And he's not really that interested. And, and in the end, though, but these aliens come up and he, um, oh, I guess it's all like. All right. And that is time. So I remember this episode, although now hearing you recall it back, it sounds kind of ridiculous. <laughs> there is a series of aliens who travel to another quadrant of the universe and they meet up with a young boy on earth and they give him a tattoo because he has native american spirit things and then that just happens to be the first officer who's on a planet that gets lost in that quadrant and then they find the aliens and he's the one who gets sent down on the mission who gets separated and runs into them. It's all very convenient. <laughs> well, that's assuming that you're right. Maybe that's not what this episode's about at all. Maybe this is the episode where uh, Tom Paris and Kim get matching tattoos. You don't know. It's uh, possible. <laughs> it's possible. He's looking pretty confident. Hopefully you guys are confident at home as well. Um, like I said, you should go, uh, you know... Grab yourself a bowl of popcorn. You should watch this along with us. Give yourself a little score out of five and put it up on Twitter, Instagram. Email us in some questions. We actually would uh, love to have your questions and we talk about it here on the air. So until then, this has been another edition of Random Trek Review RTR. We'll see you in two weeks. Don't go getting any crazy tattoos in the meantime, though.